just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Monday. It is the second day of 2023. We're starting a brand new week and a whole lot of changes coming up. Of course, we've got the Republicans taking over the majority in the House on the 3rd. We're going to see if they have any luck in electing a Speaker of the House. Now, in a hundred years, there's never been more than one ballot taken to elect a Speaker of the House. Everything that's involved right now suggests that it's going to take longer than that. So it will be an embarrassment for the Republicans. That said, uh, Kevin McCarthy is making some pretty dangerous concessions, and we'll get to that in a moment. Before we get started... I have an email to read. It's been a while since we've had emails. What the fuck? You're getting lazy here. The email's really easy. Rationalboomer at gmail.com. I'm counting on you folks to send in comments, questions, whatever you like. But just email me. Anyway, this comes from Eric. He says, Happy New Year, Mike. Hope the New Year finds you well. I agree that starting Tuesday, the house is going to be a shit show. There's no question about it. I don't see how the Republicans elect a speaker. It won't be Mike or Kevin McCarthy, despite what uh, some people think. It also won't be Donald Trump. Even if the entire Republican caucus wanted to vote him in, the sane ones know he wouldn't actually be interested in doing the real job of the speaker. He isn't able to put the needs of the House above himself, and he really doesn't seem like the type to be interested in doing the daily part of the job. No, of course not. He's not a detail guy. He's a big picture guy. He's a promotions guy. He's a hype man. He's a carnival barker. He goes on to say, I doubt it will be Liz Cheney. As far as I know, uh, just like there is no rule that says the Speaker has to be elected to the House, there isn't a rule that says they have to be of the majority party. Maybe the Democrats can find a few Republicans to get behind electing a Democrat to the Speaker position. That would stick it to MAGA and allow for the business of the House to continue while Republicans keep fighting amongst themselves. The other thing I was thinking about is Biden pardoning Trump. I agree with what you said on your live on New Year's Eve. Biden would get more heat for pardoning him than not. Also, even if Trump was offered a pardon, I don't know if his ego would let him accept it. Oh, of course he would. He is a coward. He would jump on that shit in a moment. He has no integrity there. If he did get one and accept one, you know he'd just point out it as proof that he's innocent and his base would accept it. Trump needs to be convicted and either jailed or at least completely taken offline and not given airtime anymore. Thanks for all you do, Eric. Yeah, Eric brings up something interesting. I, I did a little different podcast yesterday. I did a live on TikTok and for whatever reason, I was able to continue. The trolls didn't jump on and try to take me down or be successful in taking me down. I was able to go about an hour and 20 minutes. And I love doing the lives because people get a chance to ask questions, make comments, and we can interact with people. And I do like that part of it. That's why I like having the um, listeners on as guests. It's nice for you folks to have your say and have your questions and comments, too. So if you haven't been on a while or if you want to be on and never been on, just email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Doing this fucking podcast every day ain't easy, so I need as much help from you folks as I can get. Anyhow, now this is going to be interesting on January 3rd when the Republicans have to vote for a Speaker of the House. Now, I'd mentioned in a TikTok that uh, there's been a rumor going around 
that Democrats are thinking about putting up Liz Cheney, putting all 213 of their votes behind her and saying all you need to do is get five votes out of the Republican Party. Now, as I've always said, Democrats sometimes make the mistake of thinking that Liz Cheney is our friend, is a friend to the Democrats. She is not. She's not for anything Democrats stand for. That said, she does have some integrity. And I think that's why we like her, the fact that she was able to stand up to Donald Trump when most of the Republicans wouldn't, the fact that she was on the J6 committee. All of that makes her more attractive. Now, Eric brings something up that I think is interesting. And I've thought about it. I just, I'm, I can't imagine it happening. If the Republicans cannot elect a Speaker of the House, could then the Democrats pick a Democrat to run for Speaker of the House and then try to get five Republicans to vote for said Democrat? Yeah, I suppose that's possible. I find it to be unlikely, though. As much as many of these normal-minded Republicans don't want uh, MAGA fucks involved in this, they're going to take a lot of heat for voting for a Democrat for the Speaker of the House. So I think that's unlikely. I, you know, no matter how normal-minded they are, they're going to want a Republican representing the majority as Speaker of the House. It would be interesting if they went with a Democrat, but and if they went with a Democrat, it'd probably probably have to be Hakeem Jeffries, which I'd be cool with. I just don't see the Republicans doing that, even the normal-minded Republicans. So it's conceivable that um, the Democrats could go to the Republicans and say, hey, here's Liz Cheney, or here's Adam Kinzinger, or here's somebody who's currently a member of the House that we could live with. We'll give you 213 votes. Can you get this guy or gal five votes so we can make them Speaker of the House? The real benefit here is that you pretty much cut the legs out from under the MAGA fucks, which would be nice. You cut the legs out from under Kevin McCarthy, which makes sense. If we could do that, that would be an ultimate win, even if that Speaker of the House is a Republican. Because, as I've said before, the normal-minded Republicans, or at least the currently normal-minded Republicans that understand that they have to step away from the MAGA uh, in order to rehabilitate the Republican Party, are more likely to negotiate with the Democrats, compromise with the Democrats in order to get something done. The MAGA fucks are going to do what the MAGA fucks do, and that's obstruct everything. We've seen it for two years since Joe Biden's been in office, and it's not going to change. The thing is, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens on January 3rd. I know Kevin McCarthy is shitting his pants right now. He wants to be Speaker of the House. He certainly doesn't want to be embarrassed by having to go through three or four ballots. We know that if they don't come up with a Speaker of the House by January 13th, all the staff for the Republicans will not get paid. And that's going to cause some problems. So I'm thinking MAGA may hold Kevin McCarthy rants for ransom and get him to agree to a bunch of shit. And now it sounds like that's actually what's happening. Representative Kevin McCarthy, his path to the Speaker of the House continues to be pretty difficult. Um, he had a call with the Republican caucus, ended with a huge concessions and more debates with Matt Gates. Why is Matt Gates having all this power in the House of Representatives, at least on the Republican side? Well, he's the loudest talker, and he's part of the MAGA group. If I was a Republican, I'd be annoyed because MAGA doesn't really make up the majority of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. They just happen to be the loudest. 
Now, Politico reporter Olivia Beavers wrote that the GOP source told her that they would only agree to rules changes that would make it easier to topple the Speaker of the House. This is the one thing that Kevin McCarthy did not want to agree to, but as we get closer to January 3rd, he's being forced to. And um, it's going to cause him some problems. It's called a motion to vacate. Now, what that basically means is that any time, any time, they can vote a uh, vote of non-confidence or non-confidence of, of Kevin McCarthy, which means he would be out as Speaker of the House and be replaced by somebody else. Kevin McCarthy is going to have a hard enough time to get the job, but on top of it, be able to have this motion to vacate hang over their head. Now, the fact that he's given up that concession, that means if he is Speaker of the House, then MAGA is going to pretty much control Kevin McCarthy. They're going to hold it over his head to do exactly what they want him to do, or they're going to go to this motion to vacate. Representative Mike Lawler reportedly asked Gates if Republicans lowered the threshold for the motion to vacate if he would ultimately support McCarthy for Speaker. Gates then replied that McCarthy wouldn't agree to it. McCarthy then argued that it's the conference who wouldn't find it acceptable. Matt Gates is basically saying that Kevin McCarthy isn't acceptable to the MAGA fucks anyway under any circumstances. Politico's Alex Burns explained Lawler is emblematic of the members, center-right folks from Biden-supporting districts who would be most at risk in a scenario where a weakened McCarthy wound up as speaker with Gates and similarly massive power. It would give him a lot more power to fire Kevin McCarthy at any time. See, herein lies the problem for Kevin McCarthy. If he caves and gives MAGA whatever they want, that's going to cause him more pushback from the more moderate Republicans. And he needs 218 votes. And what he has is 222 or 223 members in the House of Representatives. He gets more than four dissenting votes. He can't make it as Speaker of the House. Matt Gates claims he has five people that are going to vote against Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy then asked what Gates would say to something like that as a deal. Gates told the members that he'd think about it. Matt Gates, this arrogant fuck, loves this because he thinks now he's got power. What he doesn't understand is the entire Republican Party in the House of Representatives will have less power this year than they had last year, in spite of the fact that they have a slight majority. And it goes back to what I said before. There's a split, a divide in the Republican Party. They're going to be hard-pressed to agree on anything, not only a Speaker of the House, but any kind of legislation. Say the MAGA wants to do investigations into Hunter Biden's laptop. What if the moderates say, yeah, we're sick of that bullshit. No, we're not doing that. Well, then MAGA can't do it. They're presuming if they have control over the Speaker of the House, that might give them some more power. But as this just said, if Kevin McCarthy bends and gives MAGA too, too much power, or more power at least, that takes away power from the moderate Republicans, which they aren't going to like. This is really a tough position. When the people in the same party can't get along, it's going to be hard to get uh, most of the people to vote for any one Speaker of the House. This is where the Democrats' votes could come into play. They have 213 votes. Like I said, if they could just get five Republicans to agree on some other Speaker of the House, they could pull the rug out from under Kevin McCarthy and MAGA. And that should be something we look at. Now, it was explained that 
there is a huge concern that McCarthy has given away too much without the promise of votes in return. And we've seen this before, where you negotiate, and this is, this is standard practice by the Republicans. I mean, how many times have we gotten into a debate with Republicans, meaning the Democrats, them asking for concessions on a, a given bill, asking for concessions, the Democrat giving them the concessions, and then in the end not even voting for the bill? Why would you trust Republicans? Now, Punchbowl's Jake Sherman explained that if McCarthy agrees to lower the threshold from five to one, it would mean one lawmaker who is angry at him can trigger a non-confidence vote. There are ways to delay the vote, John Boehner did when Mark Meadows filed his, but it has to come up eventually. You need one vote. You wonder who that might be. Oh, Matt Gates, maybe? He also urged the five, five members is better than one, but he argues that because of the size of the House, one member can usually find five more to join them in a protest. Now, at the same time, a narrow majority means that very little will actually get done in the House. He is already sidelined during budget negotiations. Uh, you may recall Joe Walsh. He's a former representative. Now he's on TV a lot. He says that the Republican slight majority in the House of Representatives will keep the party in chaos for the next two years. That's kind of what I said. For the first two years of Joe Biden's presidency, Democrats were in control of the House and the Senate. Republicans were desperate to claw back some degree of control. They got what they wished for, but the most abrasive party members are making things very difficult. They got a little power. Um, but... It's not really helping him much. Joe Walsh, a former Republican congressman from right here in Minnesota, made his bones at a Tea Party as a Tea Party Republican. He has dramatically changed his stripes, though, and now speaks out regularly against the GOP. Now, on Sunday, Walsh joined MSNBC's Yamish Alcinder, and he was asked about the problems being created by people like Andy Biggs and Matt Gates. He told the host, I am just struck by it. It was only two months ago. This was going to be a triumphant week for Republicans. They were going to win the Senate. They were going to have a huge majority in the House. Donald Trump was going to announce um, he was running for president. And now it's the beginning of utter chaos. And that's exactly right. Remember, Donald Trump told us he loves chaos. <laughs> Apparently, all Republicans love chaos because that's what they're going to have in the House of Representatives. They were all excited about all this extra power, but it's really not going to do them much good if they can't come together and agree on anything. Walsh continued, they have a slim majority in the House, I think, Congressman Kevin McCarthy will probably still cobble together a majority and become speaker, but no Republican really likes him, and most importantly, no Republican in the caucus trusts him because he has no core. This is what I've said about Kevin McCarthy. I don't know why you'd elect him to Speaker of the House. G given his track record, over the past two years, he's done nothing but fail. The whole idea of stepping away from the January 6th committee and not having Republicans on there other than Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney was an absolute failure. Kevin McCarthy is not a good leader. All the Republicans know that. But in their minds, I think a lot of people feel like he's the only one that could get elected. So now... If he does get elected, and I think there's a distinct possibility because the Republicans don't like to be embarrassed. And when January 3rd comes around uh, tomorrow, <laughs> they're going to have to think fast. There'll be a lot of horse trading. Uh, Kevin McCarthy will give away the store and he will be the weakest speaker of the House in history. 
which is ironic because Nancy Pelosi was one of the most powerful speakers of the House in history. So we've gone from somebody who's powerful, who can get things done in the House of Representatives, to the weakest fuck there is. Nobody trusts him. Nobody likes him. And that's who their leader is going to be. That is a problem for the Republican Party. It's not going to help them get anything really done. Nothing at all. So it's going to be really interesting. It's actually going to be entertaining. It may be more entertaining watching what happens on January 3rd with the Speaker of the House votes than even some of the uh, January 6th committee hearings because they're going to be falling all over themselves. They're going to be upset. They're going to be mad. They're going to be angry. And when it's all said and done, everybody is going to be a lot weaker. Not only Kevin McCarthy, but the MAGA group and the more moderate group. They're going to be a lot weaker in this situation. No question about it. Now, also on a weekend appearance on CNN's State of the Union, Adam Kinzinger, who as of January 3rd, leaves the House of Representatives, said, uh, said that he is worried about the future of the country if Donald Trump isn't charged for his actions on January 6th. And I agree with Kinzinger here. We've long heard about all the possible problems with indicting a president of the United States. The, the creation of some divisiveness in the country the arguing, the, the fighting, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that's already happening. It's not like it's going to settle anything down if you don't indict Donald Trump. The fact of the matter is, if Donald Trump is indicted, now that we all know the evidence and can see the evidence, I believe that's going to cause more of an uproar, more divisiveness, than if they didn't indict him. So the DOJ is in a tough spot. Their normal way of doing things aren't going to work, so they're going to have to look at doing it differently, and that means indicting Donald Trump. Kinzinger was first elected in 2010 as one of the few Republicans who has regularly stood up to Trump. The Republican uh, elected not to run for office again in 2022, and did serve on the January 6th committee. I think the reason he decided not to run is because of uh, change in the district lines, and it didn't look like he was going to be able to win or he was going to have to run against another incumbent representative. Now, Kinzinger told Dana Bash, if this is not a crime, I don't know what is. If a president can incite an insurrection and not be held accountable, then there's really no limit to what a president can do or can't do. Again, I agree with Kinzinger. This is a bad precedent if Donald Trump is let off the hook, and it opens the door for any other future presidents to do the same. And you know there will be other presidents that try to do it, not, ne not even necessarily just Republicans. It could be Democrats as well. Kinzinger continued, I think the Justice Department will do the right thing. I think he will be charged, and I frankly he think he should be. If he is not guilty of a crime, then I frankly fear for the future of this country. The outgoing congressman closed the segment with a message for this party. The Republican Party is not the future of this country unless it corrects. Donald Trump is alive today politically because of Kevin McCarthy. He went to Mar-a-Lago a couple of weeks after January 6th and resurrected Donald Trump. He is the reason Donald Trump is still a factor. And that is something that definitely works against Kevin McCarthy. I don't know if I'd be worried about just the MAGA fucks. The moderate people are trying to step as far away from Donald Trump as they can. Donald Trump is really kind of endorsing him. Now, Matt Gates may have five people that are willing to vote against Kevin McCarthy, but I got to think there's some in the moderate uh, faction as well. And if that's the case, Kevin McCarthy has no chance of being elected.
But like I said, Republicans, I should say politicians in general, are all about appearances, what looks good. They know if it goes to three or four or five ballots on January 3rd, it's going to look bad. It's going to be embarrassing. And uh, it's going to weaken the party in the House of Representatives. So it would not surprise me that at the last minute, everybody does their horse trading. And just so they don't look stupid, they vote for Kevin McCarthy. But the wild card is the MAGA group. They don't give a fuck. They love the chaos. They love the problems. They love taking down somebody they see as as an enemy. And make no mistake, MAGA thinks he's an enemy, which is a weird situation to be in. You know, when you look at Kevin McCarthy, he's probably got the least amount of support in the Republican Party in the House, less than anybody else. He's attached to Donald Trump. Donald Trump still kind of supports him. But for whatever reason, the MAGA people don't like him. He can't even count on the MAGA folks. The moderate people, same thing. They're trying to get away from Donald Trump, and he's clearly connected to Donald Trump. They know that Donald Trump was part of the reason why they lost the midterms. Not the only reason, but part of the reason. And they see that they have to correct some things, just like Kinzinger pointed out. They have to correct some things in order to make um, the Republican Party not appear to be crazy and conspiracy theorists and Donald Trump followers. People with any brains understand that they have to somehow rehabilitate the party in order to be more normal. And they're going to have a hard time doing it. And they can't do it in short order. They're not going to do it by January 3rd. Frankly, they're not even going to do it by 2024. It's just not possible. Now, this is all good news for the Democrats. It's going to make things easier for the Democrats in the coming two years. As far as what's going to be done, as far as legislation in the House, theoretically, it doesn't sound like anything is going to be done because nobody can agree on anything. So what the Democrats need to do is they need to focus on those things they can do, and they should make an unprecedented amount of appointments for federal judges. I mean, just go crazy. If that's the one thing you can do, do it to death. Bring up as many federal judge, appoint as many federal judges as possible. I mean, that was the Republican strategy. And if now, just with the majority in the Senate, if that's all you can do, then fucking do that. Spend two years just appointing federal judges. It will piss off the Republicans, and it'll be the one thing they can accomplish, something to hang their hat on when it comes to the election in 2024. The Republicans are going to be in disarray. They're going to be chaotic. They're not going to accomplish anything. If at the very least the Senate can push through a bunch of federal judges, at least they've got something that they can say that they did in the past two years leading up to the election. I think the Republican Party thought this was going to be awesome. We're going to have the power. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. I don't think that's going to happen. Too much divisiveness within the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. Far too much. And they're not going to be able to agree on anything. It's going to be interesting to see if they want to do these um, investigations. Hunter Biden's laptop, whatever. Kamala Harris. Uh I don't know that they're going to get enough people in the House of Representatives from the Republican Party to agree with them. Because as I've said before, as much as Donald Trump was largely responsible for their loss in the midterms, 
So is all this crazy bullshit that doesn't do anything for the people but chews up time and money just so they can own the libtards. I think people are getting tired of that. The tide has turned. People aren't going to buy that. People aren't going to fight for that. They've done nothing but fail for two years. Everything they tried from election fraud to anything else, they have failed in court, in Congress. The idea that they want to continue doing that is just ill-advised. I can't believe people would be stupid enough to try to follow that track when it's clearly failed. And clearly the people of this country have uh, denied it. They don't want any part of that shit. But leave it, leave it to the Republicans to not know what the fuck they're doing. All right, we will take a quick break, and we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. When we look back at 2022, it wasn't the greatest year. A lot of shit went down. But it was even worse for Donald Trump. Donald Trump began 2022 on a, on a high, really. Primary candidates were flocking to Florida to court the former president for coveted endorsements. His rallies were drawing thousands of people. A bunch of investigations remained largely under the radar. But just one year later, Trump is facing a very different reality. He's got all kinds of criminal investigations that could end up with indictments. He has been blamed for Republicans' disappointing performance in November elections, the midterms. And while he is now a declared presidential candidate, the six weeks since he announced have been marked by self-inflicted crises. The six weeks since he announced have been marked by self-inflicted crises. Trump has not held a single campaign event, and he barely leaves the confines of Mar-a-Lago. He's isolating himself. He doesn't have many friends out there. He can't draw the crowds to the rallies, and uh, things have gone dramatically different than he expected. He expected big wins, especially with those folks he endorsed for the midterms. And then immediately after, he was going to announce he's running for president, and he would ride that momentum all the way to 2024. Unfortunately, the midterms didn't work out so well, but Donnie Trump still announced that he was running for president. That was probably ill-advised. Not a good time to do that. But he did, because he can't, he can't help but want to get as much attention as he could get. So instead of staving off challengers, his potential 2024 rivals appear ever more emboldened. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he had a huge reelection victory, increasingly is seen as Trump's most and biggest competition. I'll say this again, I've said it before, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the election is two years away. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know who the Republican candidate is. 
we may not even know who the Democratic candidate is. It's too far in advance. Now, over the next two years, there'll be a lot of posturing and positioning and talking shit. And we'll get closer to it when we get to the primary season, probably a year and a half out. But that's still a long time. A lot of things can change. A lot of indictments may fall, not only for Donald Trump, but those people around them and uh, the sitting members of Congress as well. Now, Trump's subdued campaign announcement has left even former stalwarts wondering whether or not he's actually serious about another run for the White House. And that's something to question. Does he really want to run again? He's all about chaos. He's looking for some protection from these indictments. So he assumes if I say I'm running, they can't touch me. Well, as we know, that's not true. And uh, Donald Trump still has all the problems in the world. Donald Trump tries his normal strategies, divert, distract, delay, and none of that is working anymore because he has no more power. I don't know if you remember this movie. It was called Failure to Launch. I think um, Matthew McConaughey was in it. I think it was him. And it was about a guy who was an older guy that lived at home with his parents and just couldn't get off his backside to get out there into the real world. And that's kind of what Donald Trump's process of running has been so far. He had the announcement, and he hasn't done anything to back it up since then. A GOP opera, uh, Michael Buono, uh, um, Biundo, a GOP operative who advised Trump's 2016 campaign, uh, said that he hasn't done too much since then, but is steering clear this time. GOP donor Dan Eberhardt says, what campaign? Now, Eberhardt gave 100000 to Trump in 2020's re-election effort, but is now gravitating toward DeSantis. Trump's early launch seems more a reaction to DeSantis over performance and a legal strategy against prosecution, as I stated. And that's pretty much the case. I think it's conceivable that if we get down to 2024, and it looks like Donald Trump just cannot win, I'd be surprised if Donald Trump ran. He has problems with failure. Now, he thought he could hoodwink the country by saying he actually won the 2020 election, but when that didn't work, that took away one of his strategies. He's not going to be able to use that in 2024. So is he willing to risk his reputation, if you will. He doesn't have much of one, but in his mind he does. Is he willing to go up and get his ass kicked? Because that's exactly what will happen. Trump campaign officials insist that they have been spending the week since November 15th announcement methodically building out a political operation. Trump, they note, announced just before the holiday season when politicians typically lie low, and he did so unusually early, giving him plenty of time to ramp up. Now, Trump spokesman Steve Chung said, This is a marathon, and our game plan is being implemented by design. Here's the one thing we know about Donald Trump as we look back at his administration and his uh, term in office. There was no strategy. There were no plans. Everything was shot from the hip and pulled out of their asses. And that's one of the reasons why they failed so horribly. Chung said, we're also assembling top-level teams in early voting states and expanding our massive data operation to ensure we dominate on all fronts, he said. We are not going to play the media's game that tries to dictate how we campaign. Oh, really? Now, Trump's, of course, defending the criticism to his campaign, slow start. He says the rallies will be bigger and better than ever because our country is going to hell. But it's a little bit early, don't you think? He wrote on his social media site, Truth Social. Yeah, it's a little early, Donnie, so why the fuck did you announce? You needed that attention, didn't you? Now, through all of this, with whatever Donald Trump says, he seems to always be trying to foment controversy. 
And as I said before, and he said so many times, he loves the chaos. He loves to have a shit show going on so that he can somehow sneak his way in there, talk louder than anybody, and kind of control the narrative. Well, even that is not working very well. You remember he had the dinner with a white nationalist and the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, who has been spouting anti-Semitic tropes and conspiracies? Those two things didn't help him in his campaign. He also talked about terminating the Constitution, which, which is a problem. He had his major announcement, the 99 digital trading cards that do not benefit his campaign. Since his announcements, he's faced a series of uh, legal losses, including the appointment of a special counsel to oversee the Justice Department's investigation into the presence of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Trump's namesake company was convicted of tax fraud last month for helping executives dodge taxes on extravagant perks. In Georgia, a special grand jury appears to be wrapping its work up. Fonnie Willis is uh, getting closer to throwing out some indictments. Oh, there's one other little um, scam that Donald Trump has. We saw Donald Trump Jr. on video on the Internet trying to sell this new We the People Bible. <laughs> wow. He is going directly at the evangelicals, patronizing the evangelicals because he needs their votes. But even the evangelicals are getting a little leery of Donald Trump. All the people that stood strongly with Donald Trump, he's losing a grip. It's slipping away, and he knows that. If his campaign sucks now, if he can't draw a crowd now, it's not going to get better over the next two years given that we'll be seeing some indictments, hearing more evidence about his criminal activity. It's just not going to get better. <clears throat> By the time we get to 2024, he won't even have a campaign. Nobody's going to give a fuck about him, and everybody's going to want to be as far away from him as they can possibly be, even the MAGA fucks at that point. Now, former President Donald Trump had a little party on New Year's Eve, you know, New Year's Eve, a big night. Most people are out partying, drinking, eating, spending time with friends and family. It's always a big night. Now, of course, me, I was home alone. My wife was working. My family was doing other things. I was home alone. And that doesn't generally bother me. But I thought it would be nice to spend some time with friends. So, I did a TikTok Live. And as you know, that TikTok Live became the podcast for yesterday. The reason I did that is because the last time I did it, a lot of people responded to it. Now, I don't know if that'll be the case this time around, but it was a lazy way to get the podcast done. <laughs> Do the live and the podcast at the same time. And you know me. I'm all about cutting corners when it comes to work. So anyway... Of course, Donald Trump has a party at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago's this big, fancy place. They're serving food. They're serving drinks. A lot of rich people there. Now, according to the Palm Beach Post, the former president said he'd hoped that the Russian-Ukraine war would get straightened out very quickly. He also claimed uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that he had... Uh, received some poll numbers about his 2024 presidential bid that looked fantastic and insisted the United States needs a strong border and we need it now. It's funny, they always refer to the border as, that's, as if that's the most important thing. It is important, but as I've said before, no president has ever been able to resolve the problems at the border, including Donald Trump. It's real easy to complain about it, but there's been many Republicans, including Donald Trump, that haven't found an answer. And they still haven't found an answer. Now, of course, Trump notably sidestepped questions about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' call for an investigation of COVID vaccines. He doesn't want to talk about that. He's had vaccines. 
This is a key legacy of Trump's single term in the White House. And whether he supported a national abortion ban, did not want to talk about that. He also walked away from a question about how this week's second anniversary of the January 6th violence and coup attempt at the U.S. Capitol should be observed. Yeah, he didn't want to talk about that. He probably can't talk about it because it's under investigation and he doesn't want to implicate himself any more than he already has. A financial report issued by the committee raised the possibility of additional seditious conspiracy charges against Trump's similar to those leveled against the members of the Oath Keepers militia over the insurrection. The Department of Justice, though, is through its investigative tools that exceed those of the committee, may have evidence sufficient to prosecute President Trump under Sections 372 and 2384. Jamie Raskin said, accordingly, we believe sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of President Trump under those two statutes. And, of course, they did make that referral. Committee member Jamie Raskin said that at any potential further charges beyond the four it has recommended would be a judgment that the Department of Justice will have to make. Any charges will have to be the judgment of the Department of Justice. The J6 committee did what they were supposed to do. They gathered, they collated, they uh, went through all the evidence, they deposed 1,200 people, and now they've made all that evidence and their 845-page report available to the media, to the DOJ, and to the general public. They did their job. They are in no position and have no power to indict anybody. That's all on the DOJ. So now we can take our focus off the J6 committee. They did their job. They did a great job. And now we can look to the DOJ to get to getting because it's time we get something done here. Now, House Majority Leader-elect Steve Scalise has announced a list of 11 slabs of red meat legislation that his Republican caucus will be unveiling in the first two weeks of the 118th Congress. Now, Steve Scalise's name is another one that comes up for Speaker of the House. He's already going to be the House Majority Leader. But if they can't get Kevin McCarthy in there as Speaker of the House, they may look to Steve Scalise. He might be a little more palatable to everybody. Now, Scalise released a Dear Colleague letter to the caucus Friday enumerating pieces of the meaningful, ready-to-go legislation, what they're planning to do when they take power. He neglected to mention that each of them might also be termed ready-to-go-nowhere since the Democrats maintain their majority in the U.S. Senate. See, that's the point. They can come up with legislation if they can actually agree on something and get enough votes for it to pass— It also has to go to the Senate, and if it's too fucked up, the Senate, run by the Democrats, is going to say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So he overlooked that detail, but Scalise promised to hit the ground running. Oh, I'm sure you will. You'll be spinning in fucking circles is what you're going to be doing. Um, So he's tossing the red meat to the base on immigration, abortion, crime, energy, and China. While you're looking into China, you may want to look into that bank account that Donald Trump has in China or had in China. It's all an apparent denial of voter outrage over the repeal of Roe v. Wade protections for American women. Anti-abortion led the way with three of the 11 bills. A Born Alive Survivors Protection Act purports to ensure that infants born alive after abortion receive the same protection of law and degree of care uh, as any newborn. That can be expected to have the same impact as the no taxpayer funding for abortion and abortion insurance full disclosure act when it doesn't get considered in the Senate. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, Chuck Schumer could do exactly what uh, Mitch McConnell did when the Republicans, uh, 
had control of the House. They can just let Republican legislation pile up on the desk and never bring it to the floor. I hope that's what they do. But even if they did bring it to the floor, it probably wouldn't pass because, of course, the Democrats have the majority. Now, the latter measure purports to codify long-standing federal legislation denying reproductive freedom to those women who need it the most. It would make permanent the long-standing Hyde Amendment, as well as similar provisions to prohibit federal funding for abortion and funding for any insurance plans that include abortion on demand. See, this is, this is the problem with the MAGAFUCKS. They have to understand one of the reasons they were disappointed and embarrassed in the midterms is because of Roe v. Wade. So they're just pushing that narrative even harder. This is going to create more problems for them in the next election. Now, a third item of anti-choice symbolism expresses the sense of Congress condemning the recent attacks on pro-life facilities, groups, and churches where abortion providers added to the list that one presumably might have hoped for passage in both chambers, but with no impact. Republicans also hope to exploit the immigration issue. I mean, the whole point of this is to bring this shit up. I don't even think they care if it passes. Just talk louder and longer than everybody, throw it into the narrative, and try to show their people, yeah, we're fighting for immigration, but those damn Republicans are shut, or da- damn Democrats are shutting us down. So the immigration issue occupies two of its proposed bills, although one of those might have an unintended consequence with the gun lobby. <laughs> imagine the Republicans fucking up. I can't imagine. The first one is a straightforward scolding, nothing more purporting to address our crisis at the southern border by empowering the Department of Homeland Security to turn away illegal immigrants at the border if the secretary of DHS does not have operational control. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Now, unlike the toothless expression of red meat politics, another bill might raise eyebrows on the right. It requires the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, NICS, to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, and relevant local law enforcement when a firearm transferee is illegally presented in the United States. So they want background checks, but only if those people happen to be Uh, migrants, immigrants. But you can see how that might bleed over into uh, a national registration and background check. Because remember, one of the things that they fought against registering people for having guns was because of the Privacy Act. Well, when they overturned Roe v. Wade, they basically gutted the Privacy Act. So they don't have any firm ground to stand on if they want to stop the idea of um, causing everyone to register their guns. Now, it's not too clear whether requiring the NICS to do anything regarding notifying law enforcement about a firearm transfer would comport with the camel's nose in the tent prohibition demanded by the National Rifle Association that one might stir headlines from an intra-party squabble even without getting anywhere near the Senate. See, it's, it's all about image for these fucks. That's all they care about. So they're walking a thin line here. It's one of those things, be careful what you ask for because you just might fucking get it. And the Republicans potentially fucking up, oh, that's, that's a guarantee. They always do. Now, this, this next story is kind of an interesting story. It's a weird story, to be perfectly honest with you. Jamie Raskin and Marjorie Taylor Greene 
recently put aside their political differences and had a pleasant exchange via Twitter. Keep in mind, Jamie Raskin was on the J6 committee and Marjorie Taylor Greene is a racist nutcase. But they somehow had a pleasant exchange. Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the most far-right members of the House of Representatives. Jamie Raskin is on the other side of the spectrum. The Maryland rep is one of the key figures in January 6th, of course. Raskin recently announced that he had been diagnosed with lymphoma, cancer. Green sent him a nice note on Twitter that read, We disagree often, but I'll be praying for Jamie Raskin. Cancer is a terrible disease. I watched my father die from it, and it broke my heart. It's good Representative Raskin has hope, and his form of cancer is curable with the treatment he will be starting. The fuck happened to her? Marjorie Taylor Greene actually having some compassion for a Democrat, Jamie Raskin, of all people? Raskin responded to the note, Thank you, Marjorie, for this touching message, which my youngest daughter showed me. I'm grateful for your concern and very sorry to learn that you lost your father to cancer. Wishing you happy holidays with loved ones. Wow. (laughs) This is like... uh, walking into a restaurant and seeing two adversarial pro wrestlers having dinner together. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. But I have to give Marjorie Taylor Greene, that was a nice gesture, and uh, why she did it, I don't know. She would be more apt to taunt him because he has cancer, but not in this case, so I have to give her that credit. Raskin said in a Wednesday statement, with the benefit of early detection and fine doctors, the help of my extraordinary staff, the love of Sarah and our daughters and sons-in-laws and family and friends and the support of my beloved constituents and colleagues in the house, I plan to get through this and, in the meantime, to keep making progress every day for Congress. Now, he's actually gone through uh, a cancer scare a while back. And he seems pretty confident that he can get through this one. But I got to tell you, he is going to be taking chemotherapy, and that is a motherfucker. I've never had to do that. I had cancer when I was 29 years old. It was testicular cancer. It was caught very early. I had surgery. I had radiation. That wasn't pleasant, but that is nothing compared to chemotherapy. I have had friends that have gone through chemotherapy, some of which have died after the fact. And it is tragic. It is difficult. And I wish Jamie Raskin all the best. I'm glad he seems confident about it. And if he's confident about it, I'm going to be confident about it. But I don't envy what he's going to have to go through. We've got to wish him all the best. Now, somebody I don't wish the best would, of course, be Republican representative-elect George Santos. He's refusing to step down before he can be sworn in into the House next week, and he's, it's only outpaced by the deafening silence from the GOP leadership regarding the man whose win helped them secure the razor-thin majority. This man has lied about everything about him. He says, I'm not a fraud, though. Yeah, you are a fraud. You're absolutely a fraud. And then he starts saying, well, I'm only going to work for one term. I won't run for re-election, which is basically saying, okay, I fucked up, but I'll be good. Just let me go through this first two-year term, which is bullshit because if everything dies down over the next two years, he, of course, will run again and say something like, well, I didn't get everything done. I've got to do it. Now, they've got to deal with this. Santo situation here and now. This guy should not be in the House of Representatives, and he may even have some legal problems financially because there's some sketchy shit that was going on. How does a guy making $55,000 a year getting evicted from his home all of a sudden have $700,000 to uh, donate to his campaign? I don't know. To me, that sounds a little fishy. 
maybe I'm being too hard on him. No, I'm fucking not. Now, Santos, of course, admitted to lying about essentially everything about himself during his campaign. Everything from his heritage to his sexuality to his education, his work experience. Despite a local investigation in New York and, and a new federal investigation, Santos insists he will not step aside and intends to go through with his swearing in. Well, of course he will. He's a fucking con man. But keep in mind, the feds and the state of New York are investigating him. The state of New York, that investigation being led by Letitia James. I wouldn't wor- wish that on my worst enemy, Letitia James is not going to be an easy one to deal with in that situation. The thing is, the Republican majority leader, soon to be maybe the Speaker of the House, um, he's one of the guys that enthusiastically campaigned for Santos before this all came out. And at this point, he's pretty much been silent in spite of the growing calls to keep Santos from being seated. Now, this this is ter- totally in line with what everything Kevin McCarthy does. He's got people that are Republicans in the House of Representatives who have done some shameful things, and he's kept his mouth quiet. It makes sense that he would not speak out against Santos because he needs Santos. Like we've said, they've got a razor-thin majority in the House of Representatives. And if they boot Santos, he loses two ways. That majority becomes even thinner. And George Santos has already said that he would vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. So Kevin McCarthy is more interested in doing what is expedient for himself as opposed to what's best for this country and for the House of Representatives. That should be no surprise to any of us. That's all he's ever done. And now he wants to be the leader, the Speaker of the House. I can't imagine anybody with any sense voting for Kevin McCarthy. Now, House Democrats are on the brink of losing their majority next week. Um, They're expected to pursue several options against Santos, including a potential complaint with the Federal Election Commission and introducing a resolution to expel him if he's sworn in as a sitting member of Congress, according to a senior Democratic aide who spoke to the Associated Press. Hakeem Jeffries said that we need answers from George Santos. He appears to be a complete and utter fraud. His whole life story is made up. The incoming House Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries of New York, told reporters last week he's going to have to answer that question. Did you perpetrate a fraud on the voters of the 3rd Congressional District of New York? And of course, he will say no, even though he clearly did. Now, we're going on somewhat of a public apology tour that has backfired resoundingly. Santos has yet to to personally address other lingering questions, including the source of his personal fortune. As I said, it was like in 2018, 2019, he reported he was making $50,000, $55,000. He owes thousands of dollars in back rent, and he was evicted. Yet somehow he comes up with a uh, um, $700,000 sum of money to donate to his campaign. That, I, you know, I don't know. That's just me, but that seems a little shady. It certainly warrants some investigation. So we'll see if that happens. Last thing I wanted to talk about real quickly Former President Trump seems to be blaming the abortion issue for Republicans underperforming expectations in the 2022 midterm elections. Well, of course he is. He doesn't want to take any blame. 
regardless of the fact that all his endorsees failed. He wants to put the blame on something else. Now, he's half right here. That abortion issue was a big deal in the midterms. It may be the biggest deal. But Donald Trump played a role in them losing the midterms. And all the crazy bullshit that the Republicans do played a part, too. The Republicans seem to think that they can just push Donald Trump aside and that will fix their problems. It will not. They still have those two other areas that they got to fix, and they don't appear to be looking like they're going to do that. Trump said in a post on Truth Social on Sunday that many in the GOP handled the issue poorly, especially those who firmly insisted on no exceptions to bans on the procedure, procedure, including in instances of rape and incest. Now, look, Donald Trump supported the upending of Roe v. Wade because he knew it was good and would get him votes from the evangelicals. Now he's trying to say, I I never said that. They should have done it better. He also said he is not to blame for the party's performance, responding to many in the GOP who have pointed to him as a reason for its losses. Well, Donald, please tell me how you're not at fault. How many endorsees did you have failed? People you handpicked to run in a variety of races, and they all fucking lost. Yes, Donald, you are at fault. You are part of the problem, and you will be continuing to be the part of the problem until the Republicans say enough is enough and then let you go, kick you to the curb. That day is coming. Even the MAGA folks will do that because it's all about money and power. And if Donald Trump can't deliver any money, power, or votes, he's of no use to anybody, and they will leave him in the dust. There is no question about it. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you uh, uh, have a great day. I want to thank you for taking the time to sit and listen to the podcast. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.